Welcome to Inside New Mexico. I'm Derek Underhill, and I'm talking with the chairman of our Republican Party of New Mexico, former congressman of the 2nd Congressional District of New Mexico, Steve Pierce. We have some sad news from the Supreme Court. It is, uh, Derek. I'll tell you, they, there are only nine Supreme Court justices, and any time you have any of them pass away, whether they're in office or not, it's a significant event, and we lost Justice Ginsburg just this last week. In the nation's in mourning, you will see our flags flying at half-mast or half-staff, whichever you describe it. That's in respect to any national figure who passes away, and uh, so that's a suitable tribute to a woman who served well. I didn't agree with her on a lot of her policies, but I think she conducted herself well as a Supreme Court justice. But the nation is pausing and taking time right now to honor her memory. It is significant that President Trump is looking to replace that seat with another woman. You know who the first woman on the Supreme Court was? Sandra Day O'Connor was appointed by, and a lot of people may not realize this, a Republican president named Ronald Reagan. Yeah, that's uh, a good historical point. Many people are looking at Justice Ginsburg like maybe she was the first, but Sandra Day O'Connor was, and she likewise served very well for many years. So, Steve, what is the significance of finding a Supreme Court justice this close to a presidential election? Well, it's extremely important. You'll remember that in Obama's second term, that is, that he was basically a lame duck. And so Senator McConnell said, we're not going to let a lame duck name a replacement. President Trump is up for re-election, so the voters could hold him accountable, whereas Obama would not have been, there would have been no way to hold him accountable. He could have done something very radical from that point of view. So that's the difference. People say, well, McConnell didn't approve the nominee from Obama. It was a completely different circumstance. This election has the sitting president up for re-election, so there is a mechanism to hold accountable. Now then, the process is extremely important because across the nation you're seeing many discussions on whether or not the election will be decided on Election Day. You recall in 2000, that was Gore and Bush. We had the nationwide was hanging in the balance, all of that Chad, the hanging Chad down in Florida. You recall those Well, that actually went to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court had to declare that Bush was, in fact, the winner. Uh, They had to verify what the Secretary of State was saying in Florida. So that's the importance. Right now, a 4-4 vote, let's say that it became a tie vote in the Supreme Court. The court has nine members to where it's never a tie vote. And so let's say that the nation couldn't figure out who was the president and the Supreme Court had to judge between this Secretary of State's actions and that one. We do not need the uncertainty of eight justices. So it is extremely important to go ahead, find that replacement, get them through the process. We've got plenty of days. I saw a readout last night that 47 days is kind of the average to choose a justice. That in sometimes it's been as little as two or three days, definitely in the same week. And so it's not unprecedented that we move with dispatch to choose a justice. Well, after that discussion, Derek, I think it's really important to take a look at what happened on Fox News in the last week or so. So we're going to play a clip, and I want our listeners to hear a nationwide network go completely silent for seconds. Usually you don't have any dead air in these big networks, but I want you to listen, and then we're going to come and make some observations about that. Speaker Gingrich, I know you have a final thought for us. Yeah, look. The number one problem in almost all these cities 
is George Soros elected left wing anti-police pro-criminal district attorneys who refuse to pe- keep people locked up. Uh, just yesterday, they put somebody back on the street who's wanted for two different murders in New York City. Uh, you cannot solve this problem. And both Harris and Biden have talked very proudly about what they call progressive district attorneys. Progressive district attorneys are anti-police, pro-criminal, and overwhelmingly elected with George Soros' money, and they're a major cause of the violence we're seeing because they keep putting the violent criminals back on the street. I'm not sure we need to bring George Soros into this. (laughs) I was going to say you'd get the last word, Speaker. (laughs) He, he, He paid for it. I mean, why can't we discuss the fact that millions no, of he dollars he I, I agree with well, Melissa. George Soros doesn't need to be a part of this conversation. Okay. So it's verboten. All right. We're going to... Okay. We're going to move on. So what you heard was that the anchors for Fox News basically kept Newt Gingrich from talking about George Soros. So let's back up just a little bit so that you get some background information. Many people remember Jesse Smollett in Illinois. He had that fake attack on him. He had staged the whole thing. He reported it became nationwide news that there were racists out there attacking him. And the whole thing turned out to be a complete hoax. That was a state where George Soros helped fund the attorney general for the state of Illinois, and she then was the problem in that whole hoax. She refused to call the questions and ask the significant uh, questions up front, and so we had that. Also, many people are aware that in St. Louis, Missouri, just this year, that rioters were attacking different houses and trying to burn them down, and a couple there, McCloskey, walked out into their front yard with their guns, and told them they're not going to enter their property. So now then, that local district attorney has filed suit against them for protecting the property with guns, saying it was illegal use of firearms. They're going to be out thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars to defend themselves in court against the sitting district attorney who is using taxpayer money to bring the charges against them. That district attorney received funds from George Soros and was elected as a progressive district attorney. In Philadelphia, you have an attorney general for all of Pennsylvania. And like New Mexico, they're letting all the felons out without bail because they're saying that's an illegal infringement on their rights. And so you have criminals who go into jail, then get right back out on the streets, maybe never to be prosecuted. We're finding in New Mexico that we have this severe outbreak of crime. And that attorney general received funding from George Soros for election. And all George Soros has funded, and he's a radical Democrat supporter, but uh, he's a billionaire many times over, and he has provided over $17 million to elect progressive attorney generals and district attorneys across the country, and including contributing into New Mexico district attorneys. He has influenced those elections, and now we're seeing the result of it. So now then we come back to the Fox News clip. And with all of this background in mind now, I want to play that clip one more time for you and listen as Fox News refuses to let Newt Gingrich talk about George Soros's contribution to electing these progressives who are trying to overthrow our very system of laws and our system of law and order here in the country. So listen. Speaker Gingrich, I know yeah. you have a final thought for us. Yeah, look. The number one problem in almost all these cities 
is George Soros elected left wing anti-police pro-criminal district attorneys who refuse to keep people locked up. Uh, Just yesterday, they put somebody back on the street who's wanted for two different murders in New York City. Uh, You cannot solve this problem. And both Harris and Biden have talked very proudly about what they call progressive district attorneys. Progressive district attorneys are anti-police, pro-criminal, and overwhelmingly elected with George Soros's money, and they're a major cause of the violence we're seeing because they keep putting the violent criminals back on the street. I'm not sure we need to bring George Soros into this. <laughs> I was going to say you get the last word, he Speaker. <laughs> he, he, he paid for it. I mean, why can't we discuss the fact that millions no, of dollars he spent? I, I agree with Melissa. George Soros doesn't need to be a part of this conversation. Okay. So it's verboten. All right. We're going to. Okay. We're going to move on. When Newt Gingrich says verboten, that means forbidden in German. So Fox News was run by the father of a family. And so he is stepping back and his two sons are getting into the action now and managing. The father was conservative. The sons are not conservative. So you begin to look for tendencies in a network that say that they're changing the political stripes. Fox News makes all of its money. All of their viewers are conservative. Liberals will hardly watch it. And yet underneath us, they're changing their stripes. And so that's a very critical piece. And we're seeing that evidence right now with that silencing of Newt Gingrich. We'll continue this discussion and hear from some of our Republican state candidates coming up in just a moment on Inside New Mexico. On behalf of the New Mexico Department of Health, take COVID-19 precautions. Wash your hands frequently for 20 seconds. Don't touch your face. Use a tissue or your elbow to catch your sneeze or cough. Avoid large gatherings and close contact with sick people, especially if you are elderly or high risk. If you have a cough, fever, or shortness of breath, stay home from work or school. Do not go to the ER or doctor's office without first calling the coronavirus hotline. And avoid all unnecessary out-of-state travel. Help prevent the spread of COVID-19. Welcome back to Inside New Mexico as we continue our discussion about Fox News with the chairman of our Republican Party of New Mexico, Steve Pierce. President Trump was on Fox News and he's, he's pretty regular on there. He was with Stephen Ducey and they were having a very good conversation. Again, uh, the president was making the point that I will come and take questions in, on air live in front of the nation and Joe Biden hides in his basement and nothing uh, comes out that's not scripted. It's put on a teleprompter. And so he's making a point that, uh, that he's welcome, that he will come back, uh, every Monday. Uh, he said maybe, uh, maybe we could put it Mondays or Tuesdays, same time every week. I'll put it in my schedule. Stephen Ducey then awkwardly, I mean, very awkwardly tells the president on live TV, uh, Fox News hasn't agreed to that. You can tell that he has been told by his supervisors, by the owners of the network or the or the CEOs or somebody, he's been told that they are to start creating a distance and they are never to assume that uh, that the conservative viewpoint is the right viewpoint. So I simply bring this out. It's an important point that is changing right now. It's an important point for conservative viewers to know. I have been doing interviews with some of our candidates running for state office. I want to play you some clips from those interviews 
I asked them all the same questions. Here are some of their responses. First, we have Adelia Stith, who's running for state representative in District 29, which is the west side of Albuquerque. How would you have voted on the Energy Transition Act? Well, when we look at what oil and gas bring to our budget, our economy, to say, well, let's just totally get rid of it, and we're going to go to solar and wind, I just don't see how that's going to be functional, and I don't see how it will replace 40% of our state's budget. Here is the same question to Melissa Frizzell, who's running for state senate in District 8, which is up in northeastern New Mexico, the Las Vegas Mora area. I mean, because what, the way I see it is this whole Green New Deal. I, I mean, I believe that we have, a, have climate issues. We have things that we need to fix. But the, the extreme position that's being taken on it, I see this more of a new industry trying to come in and monopolize the market. Here is Stephen Checo, who's running for the House of Representatives, District 19. That would be the southeast part of Albuquerque. I would vote against that because I believe that um, our resources, our natural resources in New Mexico have been gas and oil and have been the mainstay of our budget, which has, by the way, been trickled down to nothing. We're now cutting into the education portion to try and keep the state afloat, but I certainly believe that we need to have our natural resources. And if we are going more green, which I don't oppose, but I think we need to do it a little bit more carefully so that we don't take jobs and take the resources that we're gaining from that in New Mexico and just try and hatchet that down in short order. Mary Ingham is running for state representative in District 14. That is the South Valley of Albuquerque from I-25 West. Here's what she had to say about the Energy Transition Act. I think that is an untimely law that uh, I possibly the thoughts are on the right track in terms of us being wise um, with you know, with God's creation to take care of it. But I think that it's being done way too quickly with so many time time frames put on it that are really unreasonable. And I don't think it's that it's considering what New Mexico needs, what our nation needs, and, and the needs of the people who work in those industries. They need to be taken care of also. And we need to use those facilities well, because there's been a lot of money that's gone into the coal-fired facilities and others that are providing a lot of our um, energy right now. And as New Mexico grows, we are going to need more energy and are not able to, um, and we don't want to be dependent on other states for that. So I think our plan needs to include as much as we can, um, and over time, and with a, with good patience, to be able to make the, the changes to to be less dependent on other other areas. As we stop drilling for oil and gas, as our representative in the Senate, you may have to figure out where we're going to replace 40% of our budget. Where would that come from? Well, I, um, I'm a very thrifty person myself, and um, I think at this point we have to put a moratorium on any new programs that are starting. I think we need to stop, really, with a lot of the spending and begin to slowly, like you would at your home if you had these kind of devastating things happen, of pull back, eat 
beans and rice for a while and uh, see what we can can do to um, to get back on those on those tracks and, and then also really support oil and gas and others that have been providing the sustenance for our government and not not throw the baby out with the bathwater in that way. Would you approve of raising taxes to make up the loss? I think at this point in time, the New Mexico people have high enough taxes, too high taxes. There's been so much that people have gone through, especially in the last six months, that I think raising any taxes would be a travesty. Steve Pierce and I will be discussing more events of the day, including some discouraging comments from House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. That's coming up in just a moment on Inside New Mexico. Attention, New Mexico veterans. If you were honorably discharged from the U.S. Armed Forces, you've earned state and federal benefits, and the New Mexico Department of Veteran Services is standing by to assist you. State benefits include a veteran's property tax exemption, education and training, and transportation services. We can also assist with claims for federal VA benefits. The state of New Mexico and this radio station thank you for your service. More information at nmveterans.org or 1-866-433-8387. Welcome back to Inside New Mexico, and I am talking with our chairman of the Republican Party, Steve Pierce. Steve, I understand you were on television. Derek, I had the opportunity to be on BBC about a week ago. They told me they wanted to talk about the election in New Mexico and how that Trump is going to win in New Mexico. What they actually did was start this series of questions, and they were talking about the wildfires in California, and then they were playing about the president saying that it's dead trees and leaves on the floor of the forest, that they were the things that start the fires, and then it burns the fires down. And they were saying, well, what do you think that uh, global warming obviously is the cause of the fires? What do you think about your president coming on and, and saying that it's forest management? And I was able to respond to them. I was looking at the record, six of the 10 biggest fires they've ever recorded in California have happened this year. Do you really think it's down to the leaves under the trees? Yes, the question of the whole West burning has been one that I've studied for my 14 years in Congress, took the lead on it for eight years on the Resources Committee. At one point, we hired the retired federal fire investigator from the Los Angeles National Forest, and his agreement was that it is actually mismanagement of the forest that years of allowing the fuels to build up paired with drought conditions, paired with the high winds, are what are causing the fires. If you begin with the premise that it's climate change, you would have to explain why the fires, and we had many hundreds of thousands of acres burned in New Mexico, exactly like is going on right now. And when the fires would reach the areas that were managed by the Indian reservations, they would drop down and become grass fires. Okay, I I get that. The investigator had said it doesn't sound like you gave them the answer they were hoping to get. They said that'd be enough. They ended the interview. But the forest fires are raging in California, and it is a product of the mismanagement for decades. At one point in our Washington office, we were wanting to investigate one of the fires that broke out and burned, I think it was 200 houses up in Ruidoso. So I brought in a retired fire investigator. He actually was the lead fire investigator for 30 years in the Los Angeles National Forest. And so he was there in California where the fires are going now. 
He came to investigate what's going on in New Mexico, and his conclusion was that it's mismanagement of the forest. And again, this is a guy that was in the Forest Service. He retired from the Forest Service. He was their investigator on fires exactly like this. So again, many times these networks, they don't want the truth. They want things that will feed their narrative that the president's being disrespectful of science or whatever angle they were trying to get. We have talked previously about the importance of finding that replacement on the Supreme Court, but there's other unsettlement that is coming out of D.C. So you have Speaker Pelosi, and the rules are very strict on what kinds of things you can say about the opposition party on the floor of the House of Representatives. And so at one point, Pelosi described Republicans there as enemies of the state. And sadly, the domestic enemies to our voting system and our honoring our Constitution uh, are right at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue with their allies in the Congress of the United States. Uh, uh, With your actions, scare people, intimidate by saying law enforcement will be there. Diminish the role of the of the postal system in all of this. It's really actually shameful. Enemies of the state. That interview is from MSNBC. I think that her words were actually taken down. That means that she was silenced for the rest of the day, that actually they would go in and remove the words out of the record. Every word spoken on the floor of the House of Representatives goes into a permanent record. And so taking her words down is a very significant thing. Well, this week, the House Freedom Caucus is actually calling for a motion to vacate. A motion to vacate is simply a motion that is placed on the floor, and when that motion is made, the motion just kind of sits there, and at any point, anyone can call for a vote on the motion to vacate. It means a motion to vacate the chair. It means taking down the Speaker of the House. And so they're saying that Nancy Pelosi has abridged the customs and cultures of the House of Representatives, but it's far bigger than just the fact that she is saying that the Republicans are enemies of the state. She went so far as now she's allowing members of Congress to vote by proxy. That means you don't even have to come in. You don't have to listen to the debate. You can simply call to D.C. from your home, give your proxy to one of the other members, and they go in and vote for you. This is something that needs to be very closely looked at. It's going to be very unproductive for us in the House of Representatives. You know, when the Democrats were in charge prior to 1994, they had many abuses exactly like that. And so it looks like this Speaker of the House is going to make it where members of Congress never have to go to Washington. They can just stay out here and vote by proxy. That's way different than having them participate and debate and just make their voices heard for their constituents and then vote. Then we have that whole mail-in voting, which we had a big issue here in New Mexico. They fired the company that sent out the request for absentee ballots and then turn around and say, we don't have any issues with vote by mail. Well, you just did. You recall that it was the Republican Party of New Mexico. We took that case to the Supreme Court and we told them that election law in New Mexico does not allow vote by mail. Now then, Maggie Toulouse-Oliver, the Secretary of State, is trying to get in and implement it through each county, and they're doing vote-by-mail requirements in each county. It looks like we're going to have to go back to the Supreme Court on that. But you know, Maggie Toulouse-Oliver has turned out to be one of the most politicized Secretaries of State that I've ever experienced, and, and I've seen a lot. In my gubernatorial race, we had to take her to the courts twice. 
She wouldn't give us the money that we had in our account, or she said we couldn't use it. It'd be illegal. She'd bring charges against us. So we took that to the courts. The courts actually said, yes, that we could use that money. So we started using it. But then she was supposed to reimburse us our legal costs because she was so badly prepared. They had no leg to stand on. And so the courts said that she should pay us $130,000 or $40,000 of state money to reimburse us for our legal fees. And she wouldn't pay that. So we had to take her to court again. Then we took her to court on the whole VBM scam, and the court said she couldn't do that. Now then, we have a person, Thomas Montoya, running as a Republican for a Court of Appeals Position 3. He turned his paperwork in, filed for the public financing, which required about 1,250 signatures and $5 contributions from each person. And so he turned those in on time. And Maggie Toulouse Oliver said there was a problem in his paperwork. He could not be on the ballot. And therefore, he couldn't get public financing because he wasn't on the ballot. So the attorney took the thing to the courts. The court said, yes, you can be on the ballot. You did enough to qualify. You're going to be on the ballot. But then they also said that he gets the public financing because he had qualified there. Now, the Democrat in that race never even bothered to get one of the $5 donations because she just knew that she had the thing locked up. She was arrogant. She was lazy. She was complacent and never got a contribution. So now then, Maggie Toulouse Oliver is not putting the Republican back on the ballot the way the court said. So he had to go to court again. So on September the 4th, then you have Judge Ellington, a district judge, tell her and instruct her that she must comply with the orders of the court. She needs to distribute the money and to put him on the ballot. That was September the 4th. We're recording this on the 21st of September, and so already 17 days have lapsed, and this is what Maggie Toulouse-Oliver does. How are we to trust her with a vote-by-mail system when she is not honest enough so that every time we've taken her to the courts, the courts have found her in violation of one law or another. So this is what we face in New Mexico, trying to get fair elections, trying to get equal treatment. It's a shame that it's playing out that way, but the most important election in our nation's history, we're going into the last 45 days with deep questions about the honesty and the integrity of our Secretary of State. Thank you, Steve. And if you're listening to this now and you'd like to help Steve Pierce in his mission for fair elections and to win New Mexico for President Trump and turn the roundhouse red, get involved with the Republican Party of New Mexico. Go to the website at www.gopnm.org. Party has a Facebook page and a Twitter account. The handle is at New Mexico GOP. You can call Party Headquarters at 505-298-3662. That's 505-298-3662. For Steve Pierce, I'm Derek Underhill. We look forward to meeting with you again right here next week on Inside New Mexico.